We're in a series, we're actually getting to the end of the series on learning from roadkill. And what this message, what this series is all about is uh, animals that make the top 10 list for animals that are killed on the road in America. And not just on the road, but you go around the world, the world, other countries keep statistics as well on animals that are killed. And we've covered eight of them so far. And what we're doing is going through these animals and finding their traits and their qualities and their characteristics and trying to find at least one thing about them that causes them to be roadkill, one fatal flaw that causes them to be roadkill. And we've learned a lot, I've learned a lot from these animals and putting them together and coming to, uh, uh, getting to understand what it is about them that causes them to be in the situation they're in. And our text verse for this series is 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8. Be sober-minded, be alert. Your adversary, the devil, is prowling around like a roaring lion, looking for anyone he can devour. We say this every week, folks, and it's important that we understand this every week. Satan wants to destroy you. He wants to ruin your life. He wants to ruin your testimony. He wants to ruin your witness. He wants to rip your family apart. He doesn't just want to cause a little bit of distraction in your life. That may be how it starts. His ultimate end game is to destroy your walk with Jesus Christ. Because if he can destroy you, he'll use you to destroy others. And he wants to destroy churches. Satan hates the fact that we've had such a great turnout in both the 9 o'clock service and the 1030 service today. He hates that because he wants to destroy the work of Jesus Christ. He wants to continue to divide not just brothers and sisters as Americans. He wants to divide Christians and the church. And that's why we've been trying to learn from roadkill and find those fatal flaws within ourselves. Many times, I won't ask you to raise your hands on this, but many times as Christians, when we hear a message, uh, we can look at that message. I keep stepping in this hole and I'm gonna kill myself. So I'm gonna move this over a little bit. I stepped in it in the first one. Melvin, I almost went off the stage, man. I stepped in that hole and I almost went face first. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, but a lot of times we hear a message and we know who it could apply to, right? And we say to ourselves, boy, I wish so-and-so was here. They really needed to hear it. When what we really need to be doing is looking at ourselves and saying, wow, is that something that I can see in myself? Is that something that, that is that a trait of mine? Is that even a seed in my life? that I need to be careful of. And I think today is, is a message that can fall into that category. We can see other people that are descriptive from the message today. And I think it's important that we do that, that we see others in our lives, because that's basically what the heart of this message is about, is about seeing other people in our lives and protecting ourselves. But it's also incredibly important that we look at ourselves and say, are these seeds in my life? Are these seeds in my heart? And are they being given good soil and nutrition to grow? Today we're gonna to be talking about the raccoon. Now, raccoons, I found this, as I was, as I was finishing up yesterday, making up my PowerPoint um, and sending it off to Jonathan, I did a little more research because I wanted to add a couple things in, and I found this out. This is no lie. This is the absolute truth. The raccoon has been, has been adopted 
as the unofficial mascot of 2020. Why? Because the raccoon always wears a mask. He washes his hands frequently. That's one of the things about raccoons. They wash their hands all the time. And the popular spelling, there was the spelling that's up there. Um, it's, there's one too many C's and there's only one C. If you take the name raccoon and rearrange the letters, it spells Corona. <laughs> Just thought that was... <laughs> so the, they've, it's been adopted as the unofficial mascot of 2020. Now, the list of, of raccoons that have been used in entertainment and advertising is extensive. If you look it up online, if you go to Wikipedia, uh, you can find just a long list of raccoons and raccoon characters that have been used in comic strips, in comic books, in, uh, in, in uh, uh, different movies, in different cartoons. And there are even some colleges that have adopted the raccoon as their mascot. Wisconsin, if, if you're a, a college football fan, Wisconsin is the Wisconsin Badgers, right? And they used to have a badger as their mascot, a live badger, which is never a good idea because badgers are pretty mean animals and it got loose. <laughs> so um, they actually took a raccoon and used a raccoon instead of a badger. I'm not sure who would mistake a raccoon for a badger, but they used that as their, as their mascot. So raccoons are seen as this cuddly animal, this cute little animal with a ring tail and a mask on his face, and he's the, the bandit, right? And they're seen as this cute little cuddly animal. They're played up as fun-loving creatures, mischievous and fun to be around. Even the movie, um, oh, I remembered it in the first service and I can't remember it now. Um, it's, it's one of the Marvel superhero movies. Um, there's a raccoon in that, and I can't remember the name of it. Guardians of the Galaxy, yes, they made two, and there's a, there's a raccoon in it, right? He's one of, the, one of the heroes. But is that the picture that honestly and truly represents what a raccoon is? Let's look and see. <laughs> raccoons, let me give you some raccoon facts. Raccoons live an average of five years in the wild. They can live up to uh, in the double-digit years, and in captivity, raccoons have been known to live up to 23 years. They're very agile climbers. Because of those hands that they have, they're very agile climbers. They have remarkably sensitive hands. And that's why they wash their hands all the time. They have five long tapered fingers. They don't have a thumb. They have five long tapered fingers and each finger has uh, long nails or claws on them and they use those to climb. They're preyed upon, this is, this is kind of, they do have predators, but raccoons are not really prey. Uh, coyotes and wolves will eat them if they have to, if they get very hungry. But raccoons don't, and, and even great horned owls will swoop down and grab a raccoon and, and have that. But that's only if they can't find anything else to eat. So raccoons really don't have a natural predator that is constantly on them. They're nocturnal animals. So they're rarely seen during the day. They have excellent night vision. Then they're omnivorous, which means they eat just about anything. They'll eat plants, bugs, and they'll even be known to eat roadkill. They grow up to three feet and they weigh up to 13 pounds. The dark mask, what looks like a mask on a raccoon, actually serves an amazing purpose. 
Uh, in baseball and football, you see the players put the, the, the eye black underneath, or, or girls softball or even soccer players, they'll put the eye black under their eyes and it deflects the light, it absorbs the light so they can see better. That, is, that works for the raccoons and they have better eyesight because of the black mask that they wear. They can run up to 13 miles an hour, so they're pretty quick animals. They're very good swimmers and they can stay in the water for hours. Raccoons make several different sounds. Anybody ever been hissed at by a raccoon? I was hissed at by a raccoon one time. And it just, it, it's kind of creepy. <laughs> Little animal hissing at me. They can hiss, they can whistle, they can scream, they growl, they snarl. And some people have even reported hearing raccoons bark like a dog. Raccoons are highly intelligent. They're incredibly intelligent animals, and they can remember solutions for up to three years. They, and how they do this is they take the animals and they put food at one end of a maze, and they time and see how long it takes the animal to figure out how to get there. And raccoons can remember the solution through the maze for up to three years. So they're very intelligent animals. But raccoons are disease factories, and you'll have to bear with me because some of these uh, diseases I can't really pronounce that well. They are the number one carrier in the animal kingdom of rabies. Raccoons are the number one carrier in the animal kingdom of rabies. And they're, no, they're the number one cause of the spread of rabies. In fact, raccoons are, more are a more dangerous spreader of rabies after they're dead because animals will eat their carcass. So after they die, raccoons uh, will spread their disease even farther. They also carry lep leptospirosis, Giardia infection, Salmonella, they, they carry E. coli, fungus, they carry other rare parasites, B. prochionis roundworm, which can be transferred to your dogs and cats. Distemper, they carry parvo, canine hepatitis, and taxoplasmosis, which I believe taxoplasmosis is one of the diseases that can be passed on to human beings. They can pass some of these toxic, terrible diseases onto humans, not just animals. So they're amazing disease factories. And that's one of the reasons that they're not preyed upon by many animals because they are incredible disease carriers and spreaders. Raccoons, I just threw this one in because I thought it was kind of cute. Not cute, but I thought it was kind of interesting. Raccoons are part of a group of mammals that are the number one killers of human beings. That group includes cows. <laughs> so take that for what it's worth. And on the roads, 15 million raccoons die as roadkill in America every year. As I look at the raccoon and as I kind of examined it and prayed about it, it kind of left the raccoon to the end of this series because it's very difficult to find any kind of, any kind of trait. I mean, the, the biggest trait that causes raccoons to be uh, killed on the roads is the fact that they are nocturnal and they go out at night. But as I prayed about it and studied it and, and really kind of ran this through in my head and looked at the raccoon, the, the greatest danger a raccoon poses is this. Raccoons are toxic. Raccoons are amazingly 
toxic. It would be a stretch to say that the, that the, the reason they are killed on the roads is because of the diseases they carry, but quite honestly, the biggest and most fatal flaw of a raccoon is the fact that they are so toxic, so diseased, and so dangerous to be around. And their death on the roads is actually, we can use the term that's being used so much in our society today, is actually a super spreader event when a raccoon is killed on the road. Because every disease that that raccoon has is now passed on to the animals that eat their carcass and the animals that eat that carcass and it just keeps going and going and going. <clears throat> now, the diseases that, ra that raccoons carry, the, the, the deadly diseases, will kill them quickly. In fact, rabies, if a, if this, and this one really surprised me, if a raccoon becomes rabid, it's dead within one to three days. So rabies kills raccoons very quickly. Other animals can be rabid for quite a while, but raccoons will, will die from rabies quickly. But their carcass can, still contains that disease, so it continues to spread. And that's the great danger, whether being bitten by or eating that carcass, the animals that get the disease from the raccoon pass it on, and the cycle keeps going. So today we're going to be talking about the toxic raccoon. And I'll tell you up front, this is a two-week message. We're going to be talking about the toxic nature in today's service and, and how to deal with it in the second message next week. Because many Christians, lots and lots of Christians, are toxic, just like raccoons. Many Christians, lots and lots of Christians, are toxic, just like raccoons. They carry diseased attitudes that will eventually kill the spiritual life of themselves and others. They pass their toxic attitudes and their spiritual diseases on to other Christians who pass them on to others until many Christians and sometimes entire churches become toxic. They seem to be fun people. Toxic people seem to be fun. They seem to be the life of the party. They always have a story to tell. They always have something to say. But it's not because they are wanting to spread good cheer. It's because they're trying to dig themselves in and ingratiate themselves into the lives of others because toxic people feed on information. <clears throat> now, toxic people always have a story. They always have a listening ear. They always want, seem to want to be involved, but their motives are not pure. Their desires are not godly. They rarely take the Bible or Bible study seriously, and they do their best to keep others from doing so. That's one of the marks of a toxic person, and that's one of the tactics of a toxic person. They will, I've even known some toxic people when there's a Bible study going on or a group of women that are wanting to get together have a, to have a Bible study, they will start something else on the exact same night at the exact same time just to keep people from going to that Bible study. And what they start will not be a Bible study. It will be something else and usually turns into a, uh, a gossip session. You see, toxic raccoon Christians are dangerous to have around. 
They're dangerous to be around. And they're dangerous to the health of other believers. The bottom line, when Christians and churches become toxic, is that believers walk away from faith, churches become divided places, and unsafe people die and go to hell. That's the danger of toxic, toxic Christians. Toxic people can destroy you. Toxic people will destroy you. And toxic people will do their best to destroy your church. Say that again. Toxic people can destroy you. Toxic people will destroy you. And toxic people can and will destroy your church. That's their nature and that's their goal. You'll see what I mean as we go along. How does the Bible define toxic people? 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 through 5, Paul writes to us, But know this, hard times will come in the last days. For people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, boastful, proud, demeaning, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, unloving, irreconcilable, slanderers without self-control, brutal, without love for what is good, traitors, reckless, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, holding to the form of godliness but denying its power. That last statement there, the last statement of the passage is Paul says, avoid these people. <laughs> but that last statement that I read, Paul says they have a form of godliness but deny its power. Paul put that in there so we could understand he's not just talking about unsaved people being this way. He's also talking about Christians that can be just like this. Paul wrote to Timothy and said, watch out for toxic people. Be careful of toxic people and avoid toxic people. Why? You'll find out here as we go along. <laughs> toxic people can cause damage to every area of your life. John Mark Green said, Toxic people attach themselves like cinder blocks tied to your ankles and then invite you for a swim in their poisoned waters. The goal of toxic people is to bring you down. The goal of toxic people is to take you down. The goal of toxic people is to bring you right into their own misery, into their own uh, self-loathing, into their own difficulty. And before you think I'm being too difficult and too harsh and too tough, please hear me out through this whole message because... There is a point to all of this. What is it that toxic people do and toxic Christians? What is it that toxic people and to especially toxic Christians do? What is the danger? Well, the first thing they do, and some of you who know the kind of people I'm talking about know this to be true. They exhaust you emotionally. Toxic people exhaust you emotionally. Why? Because it's drama, drama, drama all the time. It's like a, I'm sorry, those of you who like Lifetime Network, I'm sorry about this statement, but it's like a constant Lifetime movie, right? That's what it's like, man. Drama, drama, drama. They'll exhaust you, exhaust you emotionally. You know the type of person I'm talking about? The type of person when their phone rings and their name comes up, you say, not again. Right? When a text message comes in, you're like, oops, I didn't get that one. When you get a, an email, delete. 
You know who I'm talking about, the kind of people I'm talking about. They exhaust you emotionally because it's all drama. And they feed on that. I used this, this story in the first service, and a person left our church long, years and years and years ago. But I, I, had, <laughs> I had been the pastor here at New Life for about two years. Maybe, maybe not quite. Between a year or two, the senior pastor. And uh, my father, I had the privilege of being mentored by my dad in ministry. And my dad gave me a lot of great insight. And one of the things he said, John, he, he said to me, John, Sunday mornings, you have got to be prepared. You've got to prepare yourself for Sunday morning, and you can't let anything distract you from Sunday morning and from being ready and being ready to preach. And that means that before Sunday morning service, you don't deal with church business. Before Sunday morning service, you don't deal with, unless it's an emergency, you don't deal with church issues and, and issues. You tell people we can talk after service, but I've got to go up and preach. Why? Not because you want to be cold or mean to people, but because at that point, you are, uh, you're preparing to I'm preparing to share the word of God that I've worked on all week, that the Holy Spirit has laid on my heart, and Satan will use things to distract my focus. It's not to be mean. But I didn't listen to my father in the first couple years. And one Sunday morning, a woman came up to me, and it was less than five, I want to say it was two to three minutes before the service was starting, is right outside these doors. Grabbed me by the arm, which I always hate. <laughs> It grabbed me by the arm and said, Pastor John, would you please pray for my husband and pray for his daughter? I said, sure, what's going on? His daughter tried to commit suicide. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Okay, listen, my dad is here. I can have my dad fill in. Where is she? What hospital is she in? I'll go and I'll be, I'll be right there, you know, take care of it. I thought, here we are in emergency. She says, oh, no, 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 no. This was last Thursday. I looked at her and I said, what? She says, oh, yeah, it was about a week ago. And this young, this young lady was in the youth ministry. And I, I said, now, wait a minute. You waited a week to tell me, and you waited two minutes before service started to tell me that your stepdaughter tried to commit suicide. You see, that's drama. All that is, is drama. All that is, is someone who is looking to get attention, and it's drama, drama, drama all the time. Those type of people will exhaust you emotionally. Another trait of toxic people is they will bully you and others. And they're not always the overt bully, right? They're not always the big kid on the, lunch, on, on the, on the playground stealing your lunch money. They bully you in a very subtle way many times. They use intimidation to get their way. And that's not the way the Bible says that followers of Jesus are to act. They will hold their membership over your head. They, people try to do that with me. And I've had people say, well, you know, if you don't do it this way, then there's always other churches to go to. And my response, listen, folks, you can, be, you can ask people who know me. My response to that is, would you like me to hold the door for you? because we are not gonna play that game here. You're not going to intimidate me and bully me into doing things your way by telling me that you will take you and your money somewhere else. 
Ephesians 4 verses 29 through 31 tell us how we're supposed to handle people and tell us why we're not supposed to be bullies and, and what bullying is all about. It says no, full, no foul language should come out of your mouth, but only what is good for building up someone in need. And that's not just using four-letter words and, and, uh, and curse words. Foul language is bullying language. Language that, that makes other people feel less than you are and is designed implicitly to make other people feel inferior to who you are. So that gives grace to those who hear. And don't grieve God's Holy Spirit. You were sealed by him for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness, anger, and wrath, shouting and slander be removed from you along with all malice. Many times bullies, I think, I think the majority of the time, the bully, people who bully others, whether they're the tough kid on the playground or whether they're the, the uh, silent or the, the, the sneaky bully in a church, do that to try to cover up for what is lacking on the inside in them. The Bible says, let go of that bitterness and anger. The third thing, and many of you might have dealt with this before, uh, toxic people use guilt to get their way. They try to guilt people. They have to be in control, so much so that they manipulate others to suit their desires. They don't really care about other people, but they will manipulate others through guilt so that they'll get them on their side and build a coalition to get their way. A fourth thing that toxic people do is they easily become jealous. They easily become jealous. They're arrogant and self-centered people. Everything has to be about them. They easily become jealous of other people who get attention. Well, you know, so-and-so went out to lunch with so-and-so, and they didn't invite me. You know what, maybe so-and-so and so-and-so had something they really needed to talk about. And they needed to be together, and they didn't need somebody else involved in it. Because maybe they were trying to work an issue out. Or maybe they're just really close friends that they needed each other at that moment. But toxic people become jealous, and that jealousy causes them to act in a certain way to divide friends. Another thing about toxic people is that they're constantly negative. Nothing is ever good enough. Toxic people never see anything as good enough for them. There's always a problem, there's always an issue, and this goes back to the number one point, drama, drama, drama. Negativity breeds drama, and toxic people are negative constantly. The pastor is never good enough. His message was never good enough. The worship team was never good enough. By the way, they're, they're gone, but we had two people fill in for us today that were just fantastic. Our piano player and our guitarist, man, fantastic. We, I so appreciate if you guys are, if folks are watching or if anybody knows, let them know again. I, I talked to them after the first service, but outstanding. I just really appreciated them filling in. But with, with negative people, when it comes to a church setting, nothing is ever good enough. There's not enough light in the auditorium. There's too much light in the auditorium. When we used to have coffee, that wasn't the right kind of coffee. Right? You can have seven different kinds of creamer, but you don't have the right one. Everything is negative. You didn't put enough, here's one thing for me, it's not negative, but it's just my own opinion. You never put enough frosting on the cake? Have to bring that in, right? Always gotta have frosting on the cake, and it's gotta be a lot of frosting. I like thick frosting. I like a little cake with my frosting, just so you'll know. 
Another thing about them, and, and this is a tough one, they give backhanded compliments, which are really insults, right? That dress looks great on you, and I'm surprised because you're really not, <laughs> I won't go on, but there's always a qualifier. Your hair looks wonderful today. It takes away from your face, right? Right? Those are backhanded, I know those are a little bit overboard, but toxic people give backhanded compliments. Why? Because they can never allow someone to feel better than they feel. Toxic people always have to bring you down to their level. That's why they're so dangerous. Toxic people, and here's a big one in churches, man. Toxic people are overly defensive and easily offended. I am of the mind as a, as a pastor, uh, and as I like to think of someone who has progressed in my maturity as a follower of Jesus, that if I get offended by something spiritually, it's my own fault. Okay? There is nothing that should offend me. Why? Because Jess is her own person. Jess is her own follower of Jesus Christ. If Jess wants to listen to uh, Southern gospel music, and I'm more of a Toby Mac fan, then Jess's choice of music shouldn't offend me. That's her choice, right? I should be happy with the fact that I love to listen to Toby Mac. I love to listen to Third Day. Many of you people are real big, any uh, Hillsong, big Hillsong fans? People big Hillsong fans? I, Hillsong, there's some great songs, but that's not my style, man. I'm, I'm more of a rock and roll kind of guy. I, I, I'm begging third day to get back together, you know? And I, I, praise and worship is great, but that's not my, even that style of praise and worship. I love it, but it's not what I would go to. I'm more of a Phillips, Craig, and Dean kind of praise and worship. Michael W. Smith is my go-to for praise and worship. Love Michael W. Smith. I think he's a phenomenal worship leader. You see what I'm saying? We all have different styles. We all have different desires. And if you got offended because I said I didn't like Hillsong, then that's on you, not on me. But toxic people, and not toxic, don't get me wrong. <laughs> toxic people are easily offended and overly offended. Everything is an attack on them. Everything. Well, the, the pastor said, that point he used, I know he was, was talking about me. And I know many of you have come up to me and said, hey, you, were you watching my life this week? And you say it jokingly. Um, but toxic people really feel that way. They feel like you have a camera in their car and you're listening to them and watching them and all you do is, is point everything at them because they're so easily and overly offended. They use blame as a weapon. They will beat you up with blame. And they're easily angered. And you feel like you have to walk on eggshells all the time around easily offended, toxic people. And here's the biggest one, I think, and the biggest problem we see is this. Toxic people always claim the victim's role. Toxic people are always the victim. They're always, if they're... I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands, but I'm sure some of you know somebody like that. If they are not a victim of, a, of any situation, if they do not have an ongoing victimization in their life, 
then their life is not complete. Right? There's always something that they are being the victim of at that point in time. It could be the, the fact that the, the, gov- I mean, the governor puts out a mask mandate. He's after me. He's after me. Uh, come on, man. You always have to be the victim. But that's, that's toxic people. They always have to be the victim. They're constantly the victim in every situation, all throughout life. They're always feeling taken advantage of. They're always needy. They're always telling you what another has done to hurt them or how no one cares. They see themselves constantly as the victim, and before long, if you keep lending an ear, you may be the next one they feel victimized by. In a church, they're gossips. They're always in need of attention and quote-unquote counsel. Everyone knows their business, yet they claim not to tell anyone their business. Victims may be the single most dangerous type of personality in a church because they can drain the strongest of servants who have the kindest of hearts. And why, why toxic victims are so dangerous is because they will create issues to be the victims of. They will, they will literally create issues to be victims of. Anybody know somebody like that? You don't have to raise your hands. Ever met somebody like that? They have to create an issue so that they can be victimized. Gary Thomas said this, learning how to deal with toxic people isn't first and foremost about protecting our joy, our peace, our reputation, or even our sanity, though these are good aims. It's primarily about protecting our mission. This, this message is not about taking shots at people. This message is not about making fun of people or pointing people out. It's not about, uh, about giving out information. This message is designed so that we as followers of Jesus who are desiring to grow in our faith, who are desiring to be practical livers of Christianity, productive members of a local body of believers, will understand that there are people in our lives that are detrimental to our walk with Jesus. And many of them claim to be followers of Jesus. We need to know how to deal with that. We need to know and understand that there are people who do not have the best intentions for you or for your church. And what they truly desire is to cause division and to bring people down. And the whole aim and purpose of their life is to cause trouble. And they will do whatever it takes to get there. And some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. Because you've had people in your families, you've had people at work, you've had people in your lives, and yes, you've had people in your church that are just like that. What is that mission that Gary Thomas is talking about? 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 20. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. Our ministry, our mission as followers of Jesus is reconciling people to Jesus Christ. First of all, ourselves. That's our first responsibility. And that's why we're talking about toxic people. 
And that's why we're going to be talking about how to deal with toxic people. Because first and foremost, you must be able to protect yourself from them. Listen, the armor of a Christian, we are given the, the breastplate of righteousness, right? It, if, if you like baseball, it's like the catcher's chest protector. It's the breastplate. What does that do? It protects your heart. It protects your passion. It protects your lungs. The air you breathe, what you breathe, the toxic air that you bring into your spiritual body. (laughs) We are called and told to protect ourselves from sin and from difficult situations. That includes difficult people. And before you think that I'm saying write them off, listen to the whole message. Because we're going to be talking about that. But you must have an understanding of the fact and accept the fact that not everybody is good to have in your life. Not everybody, is, is, not everybody needs to have access to every part of your life. And if someone in your life is overly trying to get to know your business, that should be a red flag. That's a person who just wants to gain access and get information. And I'll, I'll guarantee you that information is going to come back on you at some point in life. As I've counseled with men, Melvin Edwards, I, I, I mentioned Melvin a lot because Melvin is a, he's a dear friend of mine, but he's also a very wise individual. And Melvin, we, we, we haven't talked as much during the pandemic, but Melvin tells me this all the time. I mean, you'd think he's my big brother smacking me in the head, saying, not everybody needs to know everything. I appreciate that. Because as a pastor, there are times when, listen, you need to pray for it, not just me as, as the pastor, but you need to pray for pastors. I've, had, I, I've, I've heard three stories this week of pastors who are crumbling under the weight. Two have left their church. One is local. One is in our region. And the other has to take, is taking a, a, a sabbatical because of the, the overwhelming weight that is crushing down on him. It's a very difficult time for, for, for men who, who their whole ministry and their whole life is about dealing with other people and being involved with other people. It's tough for a lot of pastors to shut that off right now. And what we're trying to do here during all of this is redirect because what we do, our whole, uh, the, the philosophy that we do practically in our church, all the outreach that we do, that, man, that's what our church is built on, right? We're built on outreach. We're, we reach out to our community because that's, that's how East Long Meadow can be reached in the Springfield area is outreach. We can't do those things now. We can't have trunk or treat. We can't have Easter egg hunt. I've got three ladies right up front here. That's, that's what their ministry here at New Life is. Uh, uh, you get outside of the, the nursery and the children's ministry. These three ladies are like they're backbones of, of those kind of things that we do. Mary is, uh, Mary's not here. Mary is, that's, aside from the worship team, that's one of the big things that Mary does in our church is be involved in, in, in those kind of outreach. Well, right now we can't do those things. So what do we do? We have to find a different way. And we are working hard. You remember, if you've been here, if you've been watching us, if you've been part of this, we've talked about that from the very beginning. Let's find a new way. Let's find a way to redirect our efforts right now. And the biggest thing is we try to stay connected. And I know Melvin, Melvin gets a lot of texts and uh, Osvaldo uses his phone for work. And they've kind of, they've made comments about 
the men's ministry on Monday mornings. Monday is usually my day off. I don't usually take that because everybody else is working on Monday and I usually get a lot of information, a lot of messages on Monday. But around 7.15 on Monday morning, my phone starts blowing up and if I forget to shut the volume down, <laughs> am I right, Melvin? Oh my goodness. And they just start coming one right after the other. Michael start a, uh, a, a, a string and, or, or Lewis will start one. And, and it just keeps going. And then Jonathan jumps in and, and uh, they, it just, Jeremy will jump in and it just keeps going and going and going. And my phone, it's like, and I, I copied Morse code when I was in the army. And there's a great ringtone on the Apple phone, on the iPhone, and it's Morse code. It's Morse code. And, and uh, so it's set to that. And it's really cute and really fun, and I really enjoyed copying Morse code, but I hate being woken up by it. Right? And, it just keep, and they just keep going and going and going and going. And there's a part of me that says, guys, it's Monday morning. But then you know what? I listen to that, and it's like, that's the sound of brothers conversing. That's a good noise. That's a blessing to the heart of God. Because the men of our church are connecting. Sometimes there's fifth. Jimmy Arias will get on. And Jimmy, oh, yeah, am I right, Jess? Yeah, yeah Jess is like, yeah, <laughs> Jimmy. And Jimmy, Jimmy gets in to start sending, he starts sending memes and pictures and stuff. And I'm like, oh my gosh, guys. It's craziness, man. It just keeps going and going and going and going. And it's like, this is beautiful. I could look at it and say, oh, it's, it's such a hassle. No, man, it's, the, it's men of God connecting. It's men of God conversing. And it's a beautiful, it's a beautiful noise to God. And I have, to, I, I, I have to take that in and love it. We have, and, and, and the big thing that is, is, is that's men connecting and keeping men accountable and keeping men connected together. Because in the day, in the day and age in which we live, men are not challenged enough to be men. And in churches today, men are not challenged enough to be true men of God. And that's what the men of our church are doing. Mike's doing an amazing job leading our men's ministry, getting, keeping those men connected, keeping those men uh, in touch with each other. And they love on it. They, thrive, they, they love it. They thrive on it. Our responsibility, being reconciled to God, begins with us. We must keep ourselves close to God. And that means that you must protect yourself from dangerous situations and dangerous people. After that, we are, we are called to reconcile the world, lost people, people who don't know Jesus as their savior. Our calling is to reconcile them to Jesus Christ, to share with them the love of Jesus Christ, to live in such a way that they see grace and they see mercy and they see the light that shines in the darkness. And when the opportunity arises, we share our faith so that they can know Jesus on their own in a real and personal way. And then we have the responsibility of reconciling our brothers and sisters to Christ. And we all have friends. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand on this one. We don't believe that. That's a, that's a false teaching. But they're outside of their faith. They're not, they're not living for Jesus. And this pandemic has been so destructive to their walk with Jesus that they have become so discouraged that they're more worried about catching a virus than they are about staying close to Jesus Christ. 
And I challenge you this. There's a lot of churches in our area that are shutting down. And I'm not talking about shutting down and going online. A lot of churches have stopped, period. They're not meeting live. They're not online. They've just stopped. And what that's done has left a lot of Christians out there. If you know somebody like that, listen, don't think I'm saying let's build our church on other people's churches. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying if you know a brother or sister in Christ that needs a connection right now, invite them to new life. And tell them, hey man, we've got two services. And I'm telling you, if we, if we get to the point where we need to add a third, we will add a third, we'll add a fourth, we'll do whatever it takes. So that people, not so that we build our church up. I'm not trying to build a kingdom of my own. But I believe that Christians need to be connected with not just their Savior, but with a body of believers for encouragement right now. This is a very discouraging time. Am I telling anybody something they don't know? <laughs> we live in some, some difficult times right now, don't we? It's tough right now. It's tough. But Christians need to be connected with a body. So if you know somebody that needs to be connected, invite them and say, hey, listen, until your church opens back up, why don't you come? There's no, no pressure to, to become a new lifer, although if that's what you want, that's wonderful. But we just want you to be connected right now with a body of believers because you need that encouragement. We all need it. And that's our call. Listen, the young lady that played the piano today, mom and dad, she's from Faith Baptist in Enfield. The old, um, uh, where my, uh, my nephew, or my cousin, my parents' nephew, Donna's cousin, Jason, uh, grew up. My, my uncle uh, used to go there. And uh, uh, Gary Santino was the pastor there. And our pianist and her husband are, on, uh, are away on vacation, and we needed a piano player today. And she came over from a sister church. And I chatted with her. Gary Santino, her pastor, is a great guy. He's a friend of mine. And I said, tell Gary hi when you go back to your church. Thank you for helping us today. Thank you for ministering. But man, you need to be back with your family. When I was a kid, it was always fun to go over somebody's house on a Sunday afternoon. But man, did I want to go back home. I, you know what? Because you always think somebody else's home is better than yours until, <laughs> until you're there and you realize, geez, I don't like her dad. <laughs> Just kidding. Just kidding. Just kidding. We're called to encourage and we're called to connect people. And that includes our brothers and sisters in Christ. That includes toxic people. In fact, Luke 6.28, Jesus says, Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. Do you not find that kind of humorous? That Jesus would say that? Hey, listen, man. Listen, guys, come here. Come here, I gotta tell you something. <laughs> In your life, because you follow me, you're gonna have people that talk about you. You're gonna have people that say nasty things about you. It's gonna happen. But let me tell you how to frustrate them. <laughs> That's how I feel like he's saying. Let me tell you how to, how to, how to, to just turn it back on them. Bless them. Bless them. Buy them a burger. Pray for them. How about this? Tell them you love them in Jesus. That'll get them. <laughs> Matthew 10, 16. 
Jesus said, I, look, I'm sending you out to she- like sheep among wolves. Therefore, be shrewd as serpents and innocent as doves. What was Jesus saying to us there? He said, listen, I know what humanity is like. I've walked among them as one of you for 33 years. I know what humanity is like. I know what human beings are capable of. I know how they treat each other. I know what they say. I know how they act. I know what they say about you behind your back. I know they're going to be ugly to you. Yet and still, your calling, your ministry, your purpose is to go out and reach people and reconcile them to me. Even brothers and sisters in Christ who are ugly and nasty and talk about you behind your back, you are called to minister to them and reconcile them to me. In other words, and he says, go out, be wise as serpents and harmless as doves. In other words, don't become one of them while you're ministering to them. Don't become toxic yourself. Don't allow them to spread their toxicity, their disease, their nastiness, their ugliness to you. And sometimes that means, listen, I don't want to talk to you right now. Sometimes that's exactly what it means. Can I tell you something, folks? I know that there is so much pressure nowadays from people to, uh, some people live their life by how many likes they get on Facebook, right? That, that is how they define their identity. I had 300 likes on Facebook. Did you know, Melvin is a a city official. He's involved in the government. Melvin could back me up on this, I'm sure. Did you know that there is no law that says you have to answer your phone? I'm just saying. There is no law that says you have to respond to every text that is sent to you. There are times when I, I, maybe you're like me, there are times when you are right on top of it and you send a text back within seconds. And there are times when, there have been times where I've looked back and I've seen somebody's name in my, tech, in my message list and I'm like, I don't remember. And I look back and it's been like four weeks. I said, oh, I better respond to that one. <laughs> there is no law that says you have to answer the phone or respond to every text. You don't even have to read texts. No law says you have to, especially when that name pops up and you know what it's going to be about. You can say, not now, Satan. How about some facts about you and toxic people? Here are some things that I believe you need to know about dealing with toxic people. Next week, we're going to be talking about a plan to deal and minister to toxic people. But today I want to give you some understanding as we close this message out. I want to give you some facts about you and toxic people. The first one is this. You are not responsible for the actions and attitudes of toxic people. No matter how much they'll try, no matter how much they'll push it on you, no matter how much they blame you or try to guilt you, you need to understand you are not responsible for the actions and attitudes of toxic people. It's not your fault. It is not your fault. Some people are just nasty because they're nasty. Some people just have bitter attitudes because they can't let go of things. It is not your fault. That doesn't mean you don't love people. 
That doesn't mean you don't help them through the difficulties, but that means you don't. And I know many of you are like this, right? Many of you will take on the responsibility of other people. You'll take on their guilt, right? You are not responsible for the actions and attitudes, the toxic actions and attitudes of other people. Even in church, (laughs) even if they have a convoluted story that makes you the villain and them the victim, because remember, toxic people always make themselves the victim. Everybody is responsible for themselves. The second thing is this. How many of you are fixers? Wow, that's a lot, a lot of people here this morning, you're fixers. You have to fix everything. Did you know that you are not required to fix toxic people? You're not required to fix them. In fact, you can't fix toxic people. You don't have the capacity. You don't have the ability. You don't have the strength. You don't have the grace. You don't have what it takes to fix toxic people. Oh, you can be there for them. You can have a conversation with them. You could be a sounding board. You could be a counselor and an advisor, but you cannot fix toxic people, especially toxic Christians. The only one that could do that is Jesus Christ. And you can be the conduit. You can be the tool in the hand of the, of the potter, but you cannot fix them. And you are not responsible to fix them. You are simply responsible to be there when Jesus Christ wants you to be there for them. Third thing is this. You do not have to react to toxic people. You do not have to react. I was very content being a second man. I was very content being a youth pastor. I was just part of a team. That's just who I am. I just, I, I didn't have to be uh, the leader of anything. If leadership was there, I would, and I, I, and I was able to take it and somebody wanted me to be the leader, I'd be the leader, but I, don't ha- I didn't have to be the leader. This is not my personality type. And I get that from my mother. Maybe you are in the situation I'm in. I, Aaron's teaching, she wasn't in the first service and I used this and she's not here, this one, so I'll use this illustration as well, again, okay? I am, I don't like confrontation, and I'm the kind of guy that can walk away from an argument. Unless, unless you're like me, when it comes to sports, I'm a trash talker, okay? I speak, I don't know if you know that about me, I speak two languages, English and sarcasm, okay? And I'm fluent in both. Thank you for Mookie. Uh, Red Sox fans, I appreciate it. When it comes to disagreements and arguments, I would rather walk away. That's the kind of person I am. I would rather walk away for now. I don't want to get it. You know why? Because I don't want to say something I don't want to say. I don't want to say something that I'm going to have to apologize for later. I don't want to say something that's hurtful. Because once those words are out of your mouth, all you can do is apologize. You can't take them back. And that's the kind of, that's, that's the way I, I deal with it. I will walk away. Aaron, on the other hand, is... We're going to talk about this, and we're going to talk about it now. I clenched my teeth, and I probably shouldn't have, because that represents her wrongly. We're going to talk about this, and we're going to talk about it now. (laughs) (laughs) Gentlemen, 
if you ever want to frustrate your wife, I don't recommend it. I'm old so I can get away with it. Walk away from an argument with a woman who wants to settle it now. I know you, I've seen, I've seen, I've seen women like, don't you dare, don't you dare. You're gonna stay here and take it, right? Man, I'd rather let things cool down and then come back to the matter. You don't have to react to toxic people. You don't have to take it from them and you don't have to react. In other words, you can simply walk away. When they're going off on you, when they're going off on somebody else, you can just say, hey, listen, I gotta go to them. In fact, it's better if you don't. Here's another one. Being around toxic people is not mandatory. It is not mandatory that you have toxic people around you. Ever invited somebody over out of guilt? Somebody you didn't really want to? Ever accepted an invitation with somebody that you didn't want to because you knew what, it was, gonna, what was gonna happen? You don't, it's not mandatory that you're around toxic people. It's not mandatory that you have them in your life. In fact, I could make a strong case for the fact that wanting them and feeling guilty about not including toxic people is in fact in itself dysfunctional. Well, well then, then what are they gonna do? <laughs> well, they're gonna realize if they wanna be around normal people, they need to change. But I digress. And the fifth one is this. You don't have to take it from toxic people. You don't have to take it. I know people that are so mild-mannered and so meek. And, and meekness is not weakness. Meekness is really compassion and love. Strength under control is what meekness is. But you push somebody that's meek too far, and you'll have, a, you'll have Mount Vesuvius blowing up all over you. Christian, you don't have to take it from toxic people. You don't have to listen to it. You don't have to participate in it. You do not have to give them a kind and sympathetic ear. Why? Because you're allowing that toxic... Some of you are more concerned about what you eat, the, the toxic nature of the food that you bring into your body, than you are about the toxic nature of the conversation that you allow into your spirit. You don't have to take it from toxic people. But, and this is difficult, I'll tell you straight up, right up front, this next statement is difficult. All those five things about what you don't have to do with toxic people, this one is tough. You are always commanded to forgive toxic people. You're always commanded to forgive toxic people. Not take responsibility and ownership of their wrong, of their toxic attitude, of their sin, but you are always commanded to forgive toxic people. There is not a situation in, the, in this life as a follower of Jesus that we are not commanded to be forgiving. If someone asks for forgiveness, we're supposed to forgive them. In fact, Christian, we are commanded to forgive people even if they don't ask for it. 
Why? Because that keeps our heart clean. That keeps our spirit clean before God. That keeps our mind fresh before God. And that keeps the, the, the line of communication and the line of ministry and the line of service open between us and our Savior. Never let anybody keep you from serving God because you will not forgive them. You're always commanded to forgive toxic people. And that's tough because some of you, you know, you've been hurt deeply and wounded deeply by toxic people in your life. In church, you've been hurt by toxic people. And it's very difficult to get over those situations and get beyond them. But you have to, if you're going to be able to incorporate what we're going to be talking about next week and putting into practice and putting into play, some of you are watching us on Facebook, if you're going to be able to put into practice and put into play the principles of dealing with toxic people for your own good health and for the health and well-being of your church, you've got to learn this principle right here, that you are always commanded to forgive toxic people. Oh, but Pastor John, come on. Come on. They just... And have you ever been there? They just won't stop. They just won't stop. It's over and over and over again. Peter had that problem with people, right? He came to Jesus. You remember the story, right? Came to Jesus and, he, and Peter was trying to be slick. He was trying to be super spiritual. And he said, Jesus, how many times... Should I forgive my brother? Should I forgive him up to seven times? Because seven was God's number of perfection. Lord, seven times. Should I allow my brother to wrong me seven times and still forgive? And Jesus, Jesus knew the weaselly nature of the question. And he looked back at Peter and he says, no, Peter, not seven times. Seventy times seven. And he wasn't meaning 490 times because... Honestly, who can keep up with that? That phrase in the, in the Jewish culture at that time, 70 times 7, meant an infinite number of times. In other words, any time someone asks for it, you give forgiveness. Any time somebody wrongs you, you give forgiveness. And that is so difficult, especially with toxic people. Hey, some of you have had at other churches you've been in, I say other churches so that we don't include this one. <laughs> you've had toxic pastors in your life. Hey, listen, pastors are not above difficult times and struggles. I'm not, I'm not in a bubble immune from, from what's going on. There are times that the best thing I do for myself, aside from going to the gym, I, I go to the gym and I, I work out and I push weight around rather than bullying people. I, I get frustrated and I'd rather not take it out of my family. So I'll go to the gym and I'll, and there are times, maybe you've been like this before if you've gone to the gym and worked out. There are times when I'm lifting weights at the gym and I'm pushing and pushing and pushing the weights. And finally, I just feel it break inside. And I put the weight down. It's like, whew, I can breathe again. And that's how I deal with things. Or I'll go and take a long drive or jump on my bike and go for a long bike ride so that I can just... I can, I can deal with that, that the, the stress that comes with dealing with toxic people or dealing with difficult situations, dealing with negativity, dealing with the struggle of, go, of things going on right now. 
We've got to learn to deal with these things, but we've got to learn to deal with them in the right way. And some of you have been hurt in your lives. Some of you online, let's be honest, you're not going to church right now because you've been hurt by church. You've been hurt by pastors. You've been hurt by people in the church. And it's better for you, you think, to stay away so that you don't get hurt again. That's not the way to do it. That in and of itself is dysfunctional in your walk with the Lord. So you're always commanded to forgive even toxic people. And lastly, yes, you have to protect yourself from toxic people, but you do have to have a plan to reach toxic people. Because as we've said, we are commanded to reconcile everybody to God. Everybody that comes into our path, our goal should be to reconcile ourselves and keep ourselves close to God. We should be desiring to reconcile the lost world to Jesus Christ. And we should be desiring to reconcile believers who are disconnected from Jesus right now, from their church, from their walk with the Lord. We are commanded to reconcile them. So you may not need to take it from toxic people, but you do need to have a plan to reach toxic people. How do you deal with toxic people? Come back next week and we'll find out. Right? Thanks for being here today. Let's go ahead and close in prayer. Lord, thank you so much for the opportunity to be in your house. And thank you for, Lord, the worship time and the truth of your word. Father, I ask and pray that uh, each and every one of us, those of us who have been here today in person and those who have been watching, will, will take the time to take stock of ourselves and take stock of those around us, Lord. And really dig in to these truths from your word about, about dealing with difficult people and how to protect ourselves. And Father, I pray that we'll take the steps we need to take. But Lord, I also pray that you'll begin working on our hearts to identify people and then to start to formulate a plan to protect ourselves while still reaching them. Lord, I pray that you'll bless this church, continue to bless this church, continue to bless the people of new life. Continue to grow us, continue to reach out to our community through us, Lord, especially in these dark times, especially in these difficult times. God, show us the ways that we can reach people now and bless us. Lord, as we go from here this place, may we go forward as worshipers, taking your love and grace to a world in need. In your precious and holy name, we pray and ask all these things. Amen.